Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Matt Beckson's a great actor and his son and his brother as well is a really good guy as well so I'm surprised I've never seen them in the same film though. I don't think so no maybe they stay away on purpose it's <laughs> <laughs> too much beauty <laughs> too much beauty <laughs> I did not say that I did not say that I don't not say that <laughs> I hope this is obvious when I go on TV and I know I'm going on TV, I don't drink. I'm completely sober. But there was breaking news once and I'd been for a pub lunch and then I went on TV, you know, just a couple of glasses. But interestingly, I had such amazing feedback. Hello, everyone. Joining Flixwater today, we have Sabina. Hello. Anna. Hello. And Kobe. Hiya. Hi. And we're here to talk about another round. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Our guests today are Savina and Anna. Over to you please, Anna, to say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Hello listeners, my name is Anna Smith. I'm a film critic and broadcaster. I go on Radio 4, BBC TV, and also I launched and host the Girls on Film podcast, which is all about women in cinema. We were nominated for Best Live Podcast at the British Podcast Awards, so we get out and about on stage and have fun. So do check us out. How do we find out about your live events versus just... I say just listen to the podcast, but so we can look at the podcast live. Yeah. Um, so if you follow us on Twitter at girlsonfilm underscore pod, that's the best place to find it. But we'll also announce it on the podcast itself if you listen in. And yeah, just keep an eye out. We will. I will be shouting about it on my Twitter and around the place. So we were recently in Belfast with Sally Phillips and Ron Ancona, which is brilliant, and Sophia Miles. And we've got quite a few coming up yet to be announced, but some good ones over the summer. Yeah, you, since you started, you've been pretty much going for live shows quite regularly, whereas a lot of podcasts don't even get to that stage, even if they're quite big. Yeah, we did it very early on, actually. We had a sort of residency at home in Manchester and it was Manchester. only really lockdown. Yes, <laughs> it was only really lockdown that sort of put paid to that and made us do a lot more studio recordings more regularly. But now that we can, we're doing at least one every couple of months, i say, which is great. Fair enough. And Sabina, who are you? Hello listeners, my name is Sabina and I am a film writer, programmer and academic in the final stages, I guess. Also a teacher at some point. And I write reviews and interview people and write long form criticism for outlets such as The Playlist, Cineropa, Little White Lies, Movie Notebook and many others. So yeah, I am a freelancer by all definitions, I guess. <laughs> 
Guys, if you are commissioning any editorial content based on film, please get in touch with Savina, get in touch with Anna, give these guys some work. We want to hear them talk more about films in interesting ways that I can't elucidate. I mean, that's a word oh, that's bless. quite fancy. I don't know if that's a word. I don't know if that's how I use it properly. Oh, bless your heart. I think it's excellent use of the word. I think it's very good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Absolutely. <laughs> So we're here today to talk about another round, which is your choice, Serena. Can you tell us first of all why you chose it and then give the countdown time for a 60-second synopsis? I chose it because I really wanted to rewatch it. <laughs> so it was a very <laughs> selfish reason. <laughs> I think that's fine. To be fair, I went back on Letterboxd to see how I rated it the first time I watched it. Oh, don't was... tell us now. I want to know, we want to know when you're given the score later okay. on. How, yeah. I'm going to say that it is just changed drastically. So I'm happy that I got to do that. And I'm very looking forward to talking about it with you guys. Okay, so time starts now. So another round is a Danish film, the latest by Dogma star Thomas Winterberg. And the film is his follow-up to a very ridiculously Hollywoodized film called Kursk. So this is a very much of return to form for Winterberg and it chronicles the life of about a year's time, I guess, of four teachers and friends. They're called Martin, Tommy, Peter and Nikolai, and they all live in Copenhagen and they're all about the age of 40. So it's a midlife crisis film and something is happening there, right? They decide to put a very interesting hypothesis to the test. And the hypothesis is that the human body lacks a certain percentage of alcohol. So in order to be happy and content, we have to make up for it. So that's what the film is about. <laughs> Anna, have you seen this before? Yes, I've seen it twice before. I saw it when it first press screened. And then for some reason, I think I watched it a second time because I was reviewing it for BBC TV. And then I had a little flick through again today. So, yeah, and it's interesting. I'm interested to hear what Savina thinks about what changed because I do think it's one of those films that when you watch it a second time, you do slightly adjust how you feel about it or you you gain a deeper understanding of it, you could say. So what, what did you feel about it the first time, Anna? The first time, I really enjoyed it and I think he's a terrific filmmaker. I love The Hunt, for example. And, you know, fantastic cast. Really interesting premise. I think what... I wasn't sure about narratively the first time I saw it is I didn't quite understand what he was driving out with the tone. Mm. I didn't quite know. And I think possibly this is what later one, one of the things that it is it perhaps is a deliberate ambiguity. Are these men making an incredibly ridiculous decision or is it something quite clever? I mean, the truth is probably somewhere in between. And I think that's kind of where it settles. But I think because I was expecting a little bit more resolution at the end... I think I just came out a little uncertain, even though I do think it's a very well-crafted film. Helen, I know you're a fan of this film, especially for a scene we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about in part in due course. But how many times have you seen it? What, what are your general thoughts? So I've, I've seen it twice. I saw it at the cinema. I saw it in 2021 because obviously everything was weird in 2020. And I think the UK release or when I got to see it was not until 2021. And it was like one of my favourite films for that year. And I really love it. And my, I think I probably 
loved it as more or at least the same. And I watched it just as I decided that I was going to kind of stop drinking. So it was a really interesting experience for me. And I love how at one point this film is just very, very funny and you're watching grown men be drunk and drunk people doing things and they have an amazing massive bender, which is really, really funny, but also really irresponsible, but still really, really funny. And then suddenly nothing is funny and it's really kind of, people are shocked. People are like really, really upset by this behaviour. And there's something about the tone shift that I find really, really interesting. And when you kind of understand a little bit more about what happened at the time of filming, that Thomas Winterberg's daughter died very early into the shoot. And that kind of changed how the film came about through conversations with her about her Danish drinking and drinking culture being in school and that what happened sort of changed and he said it was about being awakened by life so it's it's not a film about drinking and I think if people watch it and think oh it's a film about cool drinking then maybe they've missed things but it's about kind of celebrating life and living in the moment I think and the drinking part is just a bit at the start that gets them to look at the world in a different way but then obviously they realize that you can't be drunk all the time because that'd be terrible and there is joy to be found elsewhere and maybe in moderation <laughs> so yeah, i guess it, it is quite nihilistic isn't it because it it takes these four characters who are in the stage where they feel for different reasons they are at an impasse and kind of rejuvenates them in ways that which i found quite astounding like martin played by matthew mickelson you know, his teaching style really, like, you know, if I, if I was one of his students at the start of the class, I'd be like, dude, I need you to, like, be a better teacher because <laughs> you're, you're absolutely the worst. And then to see him, like, pivot 180 into, like, almost like an inspiring Dead Poet Society kind of teacher was, like, an interesting piece. And his friends watching that say, dude, how much are you drinking? So I need to be at that same level. I loved how they made it, like, an experiment and they, they sat down... With their little notes. Yeah, they sat down and made the little notes yeah, <laughs> and made it almost like scientific and got the breathalysers out and, and kept like track of what they're doing. That, that were the bits I found funny. I, I, really, I was really kind of wrapped up in that kind of side of things and I could understand how that worked. But yeah, the, the big bender sessions, I was just like, I just felt sad for everyone involved. I don't think I've been on those kind of sessions, but when I look back at the days in, in my youth when I got really properly drinking, just, I would just feel like ashamed myself i don't think i did anything as public as that or like diving into into lakes and and fjords well fjords quaysides and stuff but i still think i've you know not it's not good but they did i think they really captured what people can do on screen when they're drunk and have being a bouncer in many places i've seen the worst of people drink like the worst so i think it was, it was really interesting there and then it gets sadder with the passing of tommy people are, and they're having to look after tommy specifically because his life has he had less support around him just generally. But ultimately, I don't know, I, I felt it's humorous, it's tragic, beautiful. And then you got the dancing, which Helen with Mad Nicholson, which I think was a scene that you told me about, which you loved when you watched it the first time. Did it hold it the second time, the, the dancing? Yeah, the only thing that I will say is that a lot of the promo materials focus around that scene. And the first time watching it, I was like, when's this thing going to happen? When's, <laughs> when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? It happens, it happens at the end. Spoiler, it happens at the end. So you're just going to have to forget about it. It comes at the end. And yeah, I do love a, a dancing scene and he's he's great in it. And I just think it's a great way to end a film. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm very simple. I like simple things. It was Chekhov's dance, wasn't it? Because they did talk about it like multiple times. And times. the song appears quite a few times in various kind of forms, and then it really gets going at the end. Yeah, they have to song. earn it. Mm. We as viewers also have to earn the act of seeing Mass and dance finally. <laughs> Where are you three guys on the, on the drinking spectrum? I know Helen's reduced her drinking drastically. And how do you think you would have taken as a younger person maybe drinking more than you do, do now, Anna? Yeah, interesting question. I think it's it's hard to know, isn't it? I, I think I was, when I first saw it, as I say, I was unsure about the message and actually I bumped into a colleague afterwards who'd been at the same screening and we were having a good chat, but I felt like I didn't want to suggest going to the pub because it felt a little bit wrong somehow. <laughs> so clearly it must have had some impact on me. But, you know, I, I'm still, you know, going to the pub uh, with my friends is a big part of my life. So I related to that side of the culture. But obviously, as a person of a certain age, I related to that kind of, okay, I have to moderate and I have to look after my health kind of dilemma or, or thought process. So that was really interesting. But, but another interesting thing that happened to me recently was obviously when I, I hope this is obvious when I go on TV and I know I'm going on TV I don't drink I'm completely sober but there was breaking news once and I'd been for a pub lunch and then I went on TV you know just a couple of glasses but interestingly I had such amazing feedback from that appearance <laughs> I'm like oh god living the real life experiments I, I it just accidentally I accidentally did this experiment. And I think looking back, I think what it was is that I was more opinionated and more honest. And I think that's actually something that they tap into in this film, in the lectures. And that's what these guys, they needed that to tap into their most honest, relaxed side. But the message is you don't need the alcohol to do that, right? <laughs> you think so? Yes, I agree. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Vina, Anna, where were you on the actual drinking side? I know, obviously, I, I agree with you, Helen. It's not a film about drinking. It's a film about reigniting re with yourself. But the drinking parts, were they funny? Were they interesting? Were they true to life? Did they, could you have empathy for any of them, any of the scenes? Did you want a, a vodka at any time? Of <laughs> well, before I answer that, I want to say that a big part of watching this film for me was getting to grips with Danish culture and Scandinavian Nordic drinking culture because I did live in Norway for a while and... Where did you live in Norway, Sabina? In Bergen. Bergen? Vor? Vor? Du body Bergen? I Bergen, yeah. Nice. We need to talk about this afterwards because I lived in Bergen for a few years. That's so cool. Awesome. <laughs> but you know, you know how it is there. Everyone is super straight edge. No one drinks. It's super expensive to drink. But yet everyone not only drinks, but gets smashed. There's no middle ground. And every weekend and in the evening, you have to get absolutely smashed. And that's the rule of thumb. And going to Denmark equals cheaper alcohol, equals open shops. So that makes it even more expensive. So no wonder drinking culture is like that. So it kind of, it brought me back memories from my first experience of being drunk, which was technically on Danish soil. So <laughs> I don't remember much, but it kind of tapped into something for me there. Definitely. It was a very interesting mix of pleasurable and very scary to see. And also amazing acting. I think these were the moments when I appreciated the acting the most, because when you forget it's acting, you're still reminded that it's acting and you're watching a film. And I love that. Apparently they watched YouTube videos of people being drunk to get a feel for the behaviour. I love it. 
that's the dedication. Well, essentially the way they include some footage of real life people being drunk yeah. in public. Mm. Yeah. Fascinating. The All men, interestingly, yeah. which like, I guess was deliberate. Bill Clinton, yeah. Yeltsin and... Which is, yes. in, which is insane that they're like properly important. Well, you think they're important things. And we were kind of fine with it. We used to all like, oh, he's drunk. How hilarious. Not like they've got any keys to nuclear weapons that they might want to <laughs> accidentally press. I, yeah, it's it does highlight how acceptable and encouraged dangerous drinking can be in particularly around young people. Because obviously the, the, the school will kind of, you know, celebrate it, its tradition there's the brilliant moment where it's it's Peter who encourages his student to have, they call it Dutch courage, to have some shots before he goes into his exam, which is completely insane behaviour. have you tried having a shot? Have you tried having some alcohol? <laughs> He's like, I'm not kidding, try it. <laughs> and it does, it calms his nerves, but it's, it's, as we've seen, it's a very slippery path to go down. I, um, one exam when I was at university, there was a guy next to me drinking a can of Bollington's in the exam hall. And I was like, I mean, I guess there's probably no rules against drinking alcohol. It's the last thing I would have thought to do. But just to, just to echo um, Sabina on, on the Nordic drinking culture, because at the time, there's a time when England turned to 24-hour drinking, quote-unquote. And the idea was that it's supposed to go to a more European like culture for drinking-wise. And so I, I had the impression that everyone in Europe was a bit more relaxed with their drinking. And then along comes one of my friends from Bergen who who drank, he lived in Liverpool for a bit and he drank more than anyone else in England. I was like, okay, that's maybe just Lars. And then I went to Bergen and I was like, these guys are absolutely insane. And the alcohol is very expensive there. And yeah, and like the supermarket stopped selling alcohol and just beer at like five o'clock on a, on a Friday and Saturday. So there's like queues on every day as well. And there's queues coming outside the outside the shop outside the supermarket just so people can get their their beer in before they go to like. And as Sabine said, it's just they're just absolutely absolutely hammered. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's just it's like just fiction, think- but it's real. <laughs> <laughs> So it was. It was it, a lot of the scenes I saw there were like, yeah, that seems like that seems like that seems like the Nordics. Is there anything else, guys, want to say before we head to the scores? I want to ask, why do you guys think that this film is so liked? It also got awarded, you know, it's BAFTA, LFF, European Film Awards, and so many other festivals and non-festivals. It's also, I think, box office success. What What do you think? Because it's very ambivalent in so many ways and tonally all over the place, if you can distill it into one feature, why do you think that's what makes it a winning? Anna, looks like you're nodding along. And also you're, you're a BAFTA member, aren't you, Anna? Yes, I am. And I think it's an interesting question because I myself, much as I enjoyed the film, was surprised at the level of accolades that it got in terms of awards. And I think um, it coincided with a time when people were looking for something that they perceived to be a bit lighter, even though it, it's not. But in that category of foreign language or international film, relatively speaking, it's a little bit lighter. And I have to say that's probably the biggest explanation for me. Yeah. I, th- I think it's the friendship group, the four male friends, is very simple in its dynamics as well. And I think that a lot of people could see maybe a bit of themselves reflected in, in one of those characters, even if it's just the point of being a very tired, sleepless parent who has lost their bed and is being pissed on all the time by their children. And there's just kind of chaos and the idea of getting drunk to avoid that, even on that level. So I think there's something in the characters are very, they live very boring lives. You know, they're teachers at school, like it's not very exciting. And it's that kind of 
yeah, maybe I could do this experiment. Or maybe I've been seeing that, maybe I won't. But maybe I will try and find more life, more joy in my life. Maybe, I don't know. I think there is, there's potential like the uplift is like, yeah, actually I can, I can make a change. Even Maybe it's not drinking to a small degree, but maybe I can like pull things around a bit and I'm not necessarily in these doldrums. And let's, so I think there is a bit of inspiration in there as well as the, I think the camaraderie. I always like seeing groups of friends hanging together. That's one thing I love about swingers. That's one thing I love about bridesmaids. It's a group dynamic, which I can not, I can never get enough of in, in TV and, and cinema. And it's done well here, really well. In this regard, I want to plug in the other film out of 2020, which Mats Mikkelsen was in, if any of the listeners haven't seen it, Writers of Justice. Anders Thomas Jensen's film about four men too. <laughs> and he also plays a dad there, Matt Spickerson. It's very different, but also I think kind of suiting, suitable too. They could make an interesting double bill is what I have in mind. Yeah. Oh, look it out, certainly. Matt Spickerson's a great actor and his son and his brother as well, is a really good guy as well. So I'm surprised I've never seen them in the same film. So. I don't think so, no. Maybe they stay away on purpose. <laughs> It's too much beauty. Too much beauty. <laughs> we can't have I did not say beauty. that. I did not say that. I don't <laughs> say that. <laughs> awesome. I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song, and Kobe from Flixwatcher, and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast, or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. So welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of the scores are out of five. You can have decimal places if you wish. And we'll start with you, please, Savina, with your recommendability. Our recommendability, I would go for a five because I can see that I would recommend this film to all sorts of people. And because of the life-affirming quality of it, however they relate to drinking or not, even if they are completely against drinking, I could also see it resonating with these people as well. Five. Five. Straight out of the gate. Anna. I'm going to go for a four on this one because I do think it appeals to a lot of people. And I definitely got some good feedback after I reviewed it. And especially male friends, I have to say, of a certain age, I think it really resonates with them. And particularly if they might have mental health struggles, you know, I, I think it has quite a lot to say about that. So yeah, four out of five. I think there's always a nostalgia piece, isn't it, with, with things like that. And I think that's probably what I was trying to get at with the... I've enjoyed having those sessions with friends. And we, we sometimes when we get together, we still talk about them as well. And I think that the nostalgia piece to answer your question before, Sabine, is probably a big part of it. Helen. So I have recommended this lots and I love it. And as I said before, it was one of my top, top, top films of the year that I watched it. And I have recommended it to loads of people. However, I think that there will be some people out there who will not watch it because it is not in English. Well, I mean, there's apparently going to be a remake no. with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. So they'll probably watch that instead because they don't like subtitles. So I'd love to give it a five, but I'm going to give it a 4.8 because of that. The thing is, the context, I mean, as Sabina was saying, contextually, it kind of makes sense in the Nordics and potentially in like Germany and, and UK as well. But 
what they, I'll be interested to see if they're just perceived as sad if it's an American-based film because drinking there can be very different, can be perceived very differently, can't it? I don't know. I'm not going to watch it. It's banned from me. <laughs> I'm going to go 4.5. Loved it. I think you're right. People will just see like subtitles. That one-inch barrier there is still Foreign present. Films. Director yeah. Bong is still there, unfortunately. Pete viewing score. Sabina. Mm, I would say four. I think so, because I really enjoyed watching it and I feel like I would love to watch it again. I wouldn't say I would watch it many more times too, because I think it's quite memorable. And I also don't know how long this richness of it can stretch for. (laughs) Maybe if I see it, maybe three more times, maybe I won't. That would expand it. But four. Cool. Anna? Uh, Three for me, because I think having watched it a couple of times, it gave me something different each time. But it's not, for me, a five out of five film, so three. Helen? Yeah, so I I really enjoyed watching it again. I was really excited to come back to it. I think if someone was like, oh, I've not seen it, do you want to watch it this weekend? I'd be like, yeah, all right. But I don't know, I think like once every couple of years is quite good. Yeah, and you know, you if even if you've seen it, you know you've got that dance scene at the end, so you're like, yeah, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. <laughs> so, uh, 3.7. The scene I was looking forward to most was at the start of the of the legendary dance session where you have Matt Mickelson character saying, no, I'm, I'm going to go back to my family. I'm going to hang out with them tonight. And he sees them making the, all the fancy drinks and... <laughs> I was just like, you, get, you just know, don't you? You just know, you have that one sip and it's like, oh, it'll be fun. It's like, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm going to stay. <laughs> I'm not going to stay and it's going to be great, but I'm going to feel rubbish tomorrow. Uh, that scene, that the part of that, that start of that scene where I knew that kind of tension was the bit I was looking forward to most. And then the dancing was great. Then there was, oh, Captain, my captain, Dead Post Society bit. I thought that was, always, I thought it was quite inspiring. Repeating score, yeah, 3.8, 3.8. Small screen score. Sabina. That's a film that I haven't seen on a big screen that I would really love to because I think the first time I saw it was at the online LFF thing and then the second time was on the laptop so it's always been small screen for me. I would still say it's good for the small screen. I would give it like a 3.7 I think, yeah. But I would love to see a bigger Matt Mikkelsen always. (laughs) Too much beauty. <laughs> this is so beautiful, this man. What can I say? Anna. Um, yeah, I would say yeah, maybe a three point eight for small screen because having seen it on both, it looks great on the big screen, but it still communicates everything that it should do on the small screen really well. So three point eight. Correct. Helen. Yeah, I agree with everything Anna said, but I'm, I'm going to give it a four. I think it's great that it's on Netflix because they're. Foreign language international collection is probably not that current as it could be. So it's really great that this one's been picked up by them and more people can hopefully see it because I'm going to recommend it to them. So four? Yeah. Yeah, four point. Yeah, 4.1. I, th- I thought it was great. I've seen it on small screen twice. I'm not sure I'd rush out to see it in the big screen, but it was definitely, yeah, it did work on the small screen. I think it'd be quite interesting as, as a crowd viewing experience to watch this film. Engagement score, Savina. Okay, I think this is the time where I whack out my old letterbox review and I tell you how I felt about the film first sure. time around because come a long way. <laughs> Some of the scoring is <laughs> actually quite telling of me being surprised how much more I liked it this time around. So I gave it two stars oh, really? initially and my little review reads, 
I wish Winterberg made a beer advert instead. One extra star for Matt's dancing at the very end. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I was super harsh for some reason. I did not sit well with it, even though I remember the ending scene and liking it very much. I was not moved, almost not at all, to give it a two star. So what put, what made you watch this, you know, the time after that? I don't know. I felt like there was something missing and I've I've grown to like seeing male characters be more vulnerable in a manly way, not in other ways, on their own terms, I guess. So I was looking forward to it. I was hoping that it would reveal something that I missed the first time around, and it did. I enjoyed it very much. I found it quite engaging. Even the tonal shifts that were quite jarring, I felt, worked as well. If I remember correctly, uh, Winterberg was saying that they rewrote things and rearrange things in order to mimic almost the state of drunkenness on a con- form and content level, I guess, at the same time. And I think it, that worked for me. So I would rate it high. I would give it a four for me. It's a four. Okay. Anna? Yeah, I think it's a film that keeps you fairly involved throughout. I think it's a 3.5, at least for me. I think there are enough dramatic developments and the relationships between the characters develop sufficiently and the general idea develops sufficiently to keep me involved. So yeah, 3.5. Helen? Yeah, so interesting engagement. So my husband, who probably watches about five films a year from start to finish, has now seen this twice, which is like, it's pretty, pretty good for this film. And this this is someone, just to tell Anna and Sabina and people, first time to this podcast, this is a, a person who's not seen Jurassic Park. Not yet. <laughs> but he's seen this twice, so that must... That is how engaging this film is to him. But to me also, I'm also engaged. So it's one of those films that it's not like if you kind of got up and went to the toilet, you'd like miss like a major plot point or it's it's not like you have to be super, super engaged. But I really stuck with it throughout the whole film. So what is that? A 4.3. Yeah. Four. Good old fashioned four. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's good. It's good fun. It's tragic, it's inspiring and and sad at the same time. And it's, like, it's a good combination of film, a good combination of feelings. I, I'm slightly jarring, but at the same time, it pulls you along at each stage, right? That gives us an overall score of 4.01250. Nice. Which is very good. Really good. Repeat viewing score, it's kind of, in this review, we've gone over that one-inch barrier. Should we head over to Twitter, guys? Let's go to Twitter. Need a jingle for this bit. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to head to Twitter, guys. If you don't follow us on Twitter, do head there as soon as possible before Twitter implodes on itself. We are at FlixWatcherPod. And one of the main reasons to follow us is because we talk about films on Netflix just generally on a day-to-day. But also, in case you want to join in the banter on this episode, on the episode, we do put a shout-out asking you guys to give your opinion on the film. So look out for a tweet like this. We're reviewing another round with Savina Pekova and Anna Smith-Journo from, from Girls on Film Pod. Have you seen it? Tells your thoughts and your score out of five stars for an on-air shout-out. We had a few responses for this one, which is always a pleasure to see. Savina, do you want to take us away with the first one? Okay. I'm going to read a glowing bit by Leon Dempsey, who awards the film 4.5 gold stars. Hi. Hi, Liam. It's a long one, three whole lines. A beautiful and sad film which captures the joy of drinking with your mates perfectly before going down a dark path, but ultimately becomes an elating celebration of life. Mickelson is king. 
yeah, 4.5 gold stars, exclamation mark. I'm quite annoyed because I haven't seen this episode of Mandalorian yet. As if something I'm going to watch as soon as I've finished recording and I see Mandalorian is training, is trending with Jack Black. So I hope that doesn't coincide, guys. <laughs> anyway, that's my cross to bear. Anna, do you want to give us the next episode, the next tweet? Yeah, so Lee Thomas says this was hyped up and didn't disappoint. The final scene was glorious. Let Mads dance in every movie. 4.5. I was, yeah, because when like Helen bigged it up and I was like, how good can the dancer <laughs> well, be? I've never, and I was like. It is that good. I've seen John Travolta dance. <laughs> <laughs> Helen. So this one's from Russell Bailey, a past guest on Flix Watcher. A devastating yet hopeful watch. Had me weeping during its last act. Mads is phenomenal here. Five stars. Hi, Russell. Hi, Lee. Savina, do you want to say the last one? Last but not least, Jen gives us opinion that it's an incredible movie. Mads was on top form, beautiful and bittersweet. Even more emotion knowing the director's story. I listen to the song from the final dancing all the time, especially when I need cheering up. Five stars. Well, there we go. Amazing. Thank you very much for tweeting, guys. And thank you very much to Anna and Savina for your choosing the films and enjoying and discussing with Helen and myself. Can you tell us where we can find you guys online and say goodbye to the listeners? So you can find me um, on Twitter at Anna Smith Journo and Anna Smith Film Critic on Instagram. And if you just Google Girls on Film Pod and you will see my face and do subscribe because as we all know, that's so helpful. Absolutely. Sabina? I am on Twitter at Sabina Petkova and you can find everything that I'm up to there. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk about Mads and his friends and drinking and not drinking. Yeah. See you guys next time. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Rockwood Audio's editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flix Watcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production 